following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw or our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. We're starting a new series this morning called The Miracles of Jesus. And we're going to be looking at some of the extraordinary works that Jesus did during his earthly life, some of the amazing things that he did by which he revealed his glory, uh, by which he showed us something about his identity, and he shows us something about what the kingdom of God looks like in action through these miracles. The first one we're going to be looking at this morning is in John chapter 2, this miracle that you've just heard read out. And it takes place in this village up in the north of Israel called Cana. When I visited Israel a number of years ago now, I uh, went to Cana, visited that, that place. And it's a, it's a small little village these days. It's called Kafar Kana. And it's an Arabic village, so largely populated today by Muslims. And, uh, but of course, in Jesus' day, this was a Jewish village. And Jesus visits this village when he goes to a wedding. Uh, Jesus, his mother, his disciples, they're invited to this wedding. Uh, and there's an indication there, by the way, that maybe because Jesus' dad's not mentioned in this context, maybe by this point in his life, Joseph had passed away. It might be an indication that his dad has died by this time in his life. So Jesus and his mother and his disciples, they go to this wedding. And weddings in these days, they were a big deal. I mean, that they were major celebrations. This was a time when for a lot of people, Life was really, really hard. You've got a lot of peasants in these days, a lot of people for whom work and just life in general was a real struggle. And so the opportunity to come together, to to share a great meal together, to have some good wine together, it was an amazing celebration. And weddings would last for days. I mean, not like today where it's all over in a day. But in the ancient world, weddings could could last for two or three or more days. And the bride and groom stuck around and the the celebrations and the partying would just continue on and on. So this would have been a huge occasion. So Jesus is there at this wedding. And at some point in the the celebrations, probably quite late into into the wedding, however long it went on for, the, the groom and the bride and their family, they run out of wine to give to their guests. And this is a bit of a problem. It's, it's a major problem, really, because the, 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 the task of hospitality that you would have if you put on a wedding or really if you put on any social occasion, the role of hospitality was one of the most important duties that you had in life. This is a culture that's built on the importance of hospitality, sharing a meal together, uh, having other people into your home or at a social occasion was a huge deal. Hospitality was a major thing. So to run out of wine like this, uh, it was a real problem. And it would have brought a sense of shame upon the family. There would have been social stigma attached to this. It might have even been seen as as a bad omen for the bride and groom and their future relationship. This was a bit of a disaster that's unfolding at the wedding. And so you have then this lovely little interaction between Jesus and his mother. And uh, Jesus' mother comes up to him, and in in verse 3, we have this lovely little mum moment where she just says to Jesus, they have no more wine. Like, she doesn't even need to ask him to do something about it. She just says, they have no more wine. And and Jesus gets the picture. And then Jesus replies to his mum in verse 4 and says, woman... Why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. 
Now, the, when Jesus uses the word woman there, he's not being derogatory. That, that could be an endearing term. It wasn't a harsh term. It wasn't a put down. But Jesus says, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. And, and when Jesus talks about his hour here, he's talking about his death. Like he's already got his eye on that time when he's going to die. He had that, that premonition, even though this is right at the beginning of his public ministry, he knew where this was heading. Uh, and he knew that by setting foot on the public stage, so to speak, uh, and beginning a public ministry, which this miracle was going to do, uh, that would invariably set in motion a course of events that would lead ultimately to his death. And Jesus was in no rush for that to happen. He wasn't trying to hasten that day. So, so he's not itching to get involved here. He, he knows ultimately where this is leading. And so he's, he says to Mary, why do you involve me? But his mum, and again, just a lovely mum moment, she basically just ignores him. And she says to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. So she's basically saying, thanks, Jesus, for your opinion, but you're going to get involved anyway. And Jesus at this point doesn't object any further. He just rolls up his sleeves and gets stuck in, so to speak. And he, he goes to these servants who are nearby, and, and he tells these servants to take these big stone jars, six stone water jars that the Jews used for ceremonial washing. And, and that meant that there would have been some kind of ritual hand washing that happened at a wedding like this. Jews were always very concerned to make sure they were preserving ritual purity before the law. So they would have perhaps several times in the wedding washed their hands. And these were the jars that were used for those, those hand washing purposes. So Jesus tells the servants to get these jars and fill them with water. And then once they've done that, he tells them to, to take some of the water and take it to the master of the banquet and get him to taste it. And so these servants do that, and the master of the banquet tastes this water. And sure enough, it is turned into the most exquisite wine. We don't know what kind of wine it is. I like to think maybe it was Merlot. We don't know. Maybe each of the six jars had a different kind of wine in them. That would have been amazing. But whatever it was, this was really good wine. I mean, this was not like the budget brand you buy at the supermarket. This was good stuff. And the master of the banquet uh, says, to, says to the groom, says to the family, you know, you have saved the best kind of wine until last. Most of the time, people pull out the good stuff at the beginning to kind of impress the guests. And then once everyone's too drunk to notice, they give them the cheap stuff. You've done it the other way around. You've saved the really good stuff till last. And so the wedding is saved and the wine keeps flowing and the guests keep having a good time and, and, and the wedding carries on. It's, it's a fascinating little story, isn't it? It's a lovely miracle that Jesus performs here. And I don't know whether you noticed, at the end here, John gives us a little interpretation uh, of this miracle. He says in verse 11, uh, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. I mean, that must have been an amazing moment for his disciples as well. Very early in Jesus' public ministry. And his disciples are starting to get a sense of who is this guy? You know, I mean, the man who can turn water into wine. This is incredible. Which, which rabbi are we following here? And, and John specifically tells us this was a sign. Uh, one of several signs that John gives us uh, through his Gospels. The miracles that Jesus performed that reveal his glory. And so the question I want us to, to press into today is, what, what is this miracle signifying? If, if this is a sign, then what's it pointing to? And to answer that question, we need to know a bit of the symbolism 
behind what's going on here, there's a lot of symbols, there's a lot of metaphor that is happening here. And in particular, we need to understand the symbolism of wine. Uh, the image of wine is used throughout the Bible. You could do a word search on wine, you'll find a lot of references. That video that you saw earlier picks up on some of those scriptures and the way in which the theme of wine is, is woven through the biblical story. And, and, and in the Old Testament, what you find is this image of wine is often used to describe the way that God brings renewal. It often accompanies a sense of God bringing about some, some new blessing or some sense of abundance or some sense of restoring. Uh, let me just give you one example. There's a number of verses we could, we could go to. I've put some in the study sheet for you. But in Amos, the book of Amos, chapter 9, uh, verse 13, says this. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills, and I will bring my people Israel back from exile. So there's Amos looking towards the day when Israel returns from exile. We talked about the exile in our first Peter series. Amos is looking beyond the exile to God's renewing of his people, to God's restoring of his people. And he says that restoration will be accompanied by the new wine. There will be this abundance. There's going to be bounty. The land will be fertile. The vineyards will be fruitful. And there will be new wine that drips from the mountain and it flows from the hills. There's this sense of just abundance, not just a little bit of wine, but a huge amount. There is an abundance of wine. Uh, and it's all wrapped up in this image of God renewing his people in, in hope that comes after judgment and uh, peace that comes after despair. Uh, an image of God bringing restoration to Israel. There's many other scriptures we could look at like that. Jeremiah 31 is another one. Joel chapter 2 is another one. Uh, the way that God is promising to bring this new wine of renewal and of blessing to his people. And so when we get to John chapter 2, and the way that Jesus works this miracle of bringing wine out of water, bringing new wine, and the way that John tells the story, there's this rich symbolism which is saying to us, Jesus is fulfilling what the prophets have spoken of. Those promises in the Old Testament of the, of the new wine, those promises of renewal, those promises of restoration, that is now coming about in and through the ministry of Jesus. This is the man who is bringing about the promised new wine that God said would, would one day be here. And, and this new wine is coming out of that which is old. As you think about the, the symbolism in this miracle, you've got the water in these stone jars, and those jars represent the law. It's all about the ceremonial requirements of the Old Testament law, all the hand washing that had to go on using the water from those jars. And isn't it interesting? It's out of those jars. It's out of the water in, in, in the old, so to speak, that Jesus brings something new. He's bringing something new out of the old, something that is of the new covenant out of that which is of the old covenant. And, and what is new here that Jesus is bringing about, of course, is the kingdom of God. That this is the new thing that God is, is doing. He's unfolding this whole new way of being and living and being right with God. This is the kingdom of God in which people are, are discovering the presence of God now in surprising places. And discovering that God is drawing all people to himself now, Jews as well as Gentiles. Uh, this is the kingdom of God that is now governed not by the old law, but by the new law of love. Uh, love for God and love for neighbor. 
Uh, It's the kingdom in which the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out. The promised spirit of Ezekiel is going to be poured out upon all people. It's, It's the kingdom... Ultimately, that points towards the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's why Jesus is talking about his hour that has not yet come. Because the kingdom is going to be sealed by the blood of Christ. And that event then will bring about this this new order, this new world that God is, is unfolding. Even in the midst of the old world, God's bringing about a new kingdom. He's bringing about a new day in which we can be reconciled with God. We can be sons and daughters of God. We have this access to God now. This is a day of hope. It's it's a day of renewal. It's a day of promise. Promises being fulfilled. Uh, It's a day of reconciliation of, of humanity with God. This is the day. This is the new wine that Jesus is, is bringing about. This is the symbolism that's, that's layered up behind this miracle. And of course, when you think about it, this new wine of renewal that Jesus is bringing about, it's not something that he just did during his earthly life. This is something Jesus is still doing. I mean, this miracle itself, Jesus only performed this miracle once. It's one of a kind, this miracle. It's a very unique kind of of event. But it tells us something about the way in which Jesus is always working. It tells us something about who God is, fundamentally, that that God loves to bring new out of the old. God loves to bring life out of lifelessness. God loves to bring hope out of despair. God loves to bring renewal. God is still bringing the new wine today. God's kingdom is still unfolding today, just as it was in Jesus' day. Uh, God's spirit is still with us. God is still working. Jesus is still here. Jesus is still bringing about this new wine. Jesus says to us that this miracle he once performed of turning water into wine is a miracle that he wants to perform in our lives today. Jesus is still turning water into wine. Maybe not literally today, but he's still bringing the new out of the old. He's still bringing something fresh out of that which is which has lost its freshness and, and lost its life. And in, in this time that we're living through, where so much is changing for us at the moment, so much is changing in life. The rhythms of our lives have been disrupted by COVID. Uh, family life looks different. Working life looks different. Social life looks different. Church life looks different. But in this moment and in this space, God is still saying, I'm bringing about the new wine. I'm, I'm working in this kind of space. I'm, I'm doing something new. God's doing surprising things in these times. He's doing things that we wouldn't necessarily expect. Things, things that we may not Look for, the Bible says in in Scripture, God says, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you perceive it? We're going to tune in to this new thing that God is is doing. He says, "Don't, don't worry about the former things. Don't worry about the things of the past. Tune into this new thing that I'm doing. And I think in our lives, we're so used to thinking that we know the way God's going to act. We 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 think that we 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 think we can read God's patterns. In our lives. And we think the way God's related to us is the way he's always going to relate to us. The things he's done in our lives are the things that he'll always do. But God's a God of the new. He's a God who brings new things out of the old. And I think God would say to us, don't predetermine the way that I might act or or what I might do. Don't assume the way God's worked in your life in the past is going to be exactly the same. The way God may or may not have answered your prayers in the past may be different to what God is planning to do in the future. The kind of relationship you've had with God in the past may be different from the kind of season that God is wanting to lead you into. He's a God who loves to bring new things 
out of the old. And so I want to encourage you as we, as we think about this miracle, just to open your life up to what the new wine might be that Jesus is wanting to bring about in your life. Just, just think about that and posture your heart to receive the new wine of God's grace and the new wine of God's spirit and the new wine of, of, of the working of Jesus in our lives in a mysterious way, in a new way, maybe uncomfortable, maybe familiar, but let's just be open to what God might be wanting to do. Um, it might be that, that God's wanting to nudge you into a new opportunity. And maybe he's saying, hey, there's this, there's this thing out there that I want you to step into. There's, there's something new for you here. There's a new challenge. There's a new way of serving others, perhaps. Uh, something that would enable you to fulfill what God's calling you to do or express his love in some new way. And God's saying, yeah, it's, it's a bit uncomfortable. And yeah, it's a step outside what you know. But this is, I'm in this. And I've gone ahead of you into this space. And it's different from the past. It's different from the former things. But I'm leading you into this new space. And I've gone ahead of you into that space. And I, I want you to trust me. I want you to follow me into that, into that new thing. Uh, it may be that God's calling you into a season of growth. Growth in your relationship with God. You might look back over the last few years or decades and, and feel like you can't really see much growth in your faith. And you might feel like your heart has just gone fairly cold towards Jesus. That you just your affection's not really stirred for him. You don't really feel much of, of anything for God, and it's just all very mediocre for you, and you're very much plateaued. And I think this miracle draws us back to a reminder that God is always wanting to lead you into something new, and he's never content with the status quo. And he may be just gently prompting you today by his spirit and saying, I want to lead you into something new. I want to lead you into a season of growth. I want to lead you into a, a, a deeper experience of my presence. Uh, I want to lead you deeper into my word. Uh, I want to lead you deeper in, in connection with me and walking closely with me day by day. I want to draw you close. I want you to know me. I want, I want you to experience something fresh uh, of my love, of my presence, of my grace in your life. Are you willing to open yourself up to that? Are you willing to accept that, that invitation? Are you willing to allow God to bring that new wine about in your life? Uh, it may be that God is wanting to move you on from something that's really holding you back in your life. Maybe there's just some pattern in your life. Maybe there's some habits there or an addiction or just something you're getting tangled up in or something you keep circling back to and it's just holding you back and you just feel like you are just repeating these, these choices or these just ways of, of being that are just really a stumbling block for you. And God's saying to you, I want to set you free from this. I want to bring about new wine in your life. I want to bring about uh, the power to crucify that thing that needs to be crucified so that you can be led into freedom. I want to give you the strength to make a new decision and the boldness to be able to step forward into the abundant life that Jesus has promised you, not the, the half-hearted life where you're still messing around with these other things that are holding you back. God's wanting to free you from that. He's wanting to bring new wine into your life. Maybe it's the, the new wine of, of healing your heart. Maybe there's things that have happened in your past, some painful things maybe, some painful memories. Uh, maybe you're carrying guilt because of something that you've done. Uh, maybe you're carrying shame because of something that's been done to you. And these experiences are so debilitating. They're so draining. They're such a heavy burden. And, and Jesus is so gracious with you. And, and he would say to you this morning, I want to lead you on a journey of freedom. I want to lead you through your shame and out the other side. I want to lead you out from, from guilt. I want to lead you out from, from condemnation. I want to lead you out from a life of fear. Uh, I want to lead you out into a better place. I want to bring healing. And, and, 
He will put people in your life if you're open to him. He will put people around you that can walk with you on that freedom path. Maybe for you, and and this is difficult to hear, but maybe for you, the new wine is going to come about through real struggle. And when you think about it, this is often, well, this is the way that wine is produced, right? I mean, you think about the ancient world with the wine press, grapes being crushed, and it's in the crushing And it's in the pressing of the grapes, the process of wine is made. And maybe God is saying to you this morning, you know, you're being crushed. And you're being pressed down right now. There's there's pressure upon you. There's just, you feel that weight. You feel the burden of what's going on in your life. You're just carrying something that's so heavy. But God is saying to you, even in that space, I'm going to bring about new wine. I'm bringing something new out of the old. Even in it, not, not after it's all over, not On the other side, not once everything gets better, but right in the middle of it, right in the crushing that you're going through, God's saying, I'm doing something. I'm there and I'm with you and I'm for you and I'm holding you and I'm working in your life and I'm bringing about this new wine if you just open your heart to receive it. He'll lead you into a new place of trust, a new place of rest, a new place of clinging to him and to his presence and to his grace like you've never experienced before. Uh, God is working, but he asks us to tune in to what he's doing and to have a wide field of vision because he might be doing the unexpected. He might be doing the surprising thing that's out of step with the way that he's acted in our lives before. That's the nature of the new wine. So I encourage you just to have that position of openness and a heart that longs to receive the new wine that God longs to pour into your heart. And let me make one other connection with this passage before we close. When you get all the way to the end of the Bible, uh, to the book of Revelation, Revelation 19, I think it is, and you have this picture of that final day when Jesus returns and the triumphant um, return of Christ, this glorious moment, and the way that it's described, the image that's described there in Revelation 19 is the image of a wedding. It's the image of a wedding banquet. And Jesus is the groom, and the church is the bride, the bride of Christ. There's the wedding supper of the Lamb that takes place. And I think there's a a lovely connection there, because John was the author of John's Gospel. He's the author of Revelation. And I think you can draw a line from the miracle that Jesus performed in Cana in the final wedding banquet of the Lamb. And in a sense, we kind of live between those two times, don't we? We live between that that first earthly appearance of Jesus and his, his second coming. That's where we are. It reminds me of a wedding that Anna and I went to um, many years ago now. And we went to the wedding ceremony, and then there was a big gap, several hours, in between the ceremony and the reception. That, that sometimes happens when the bride and groom go and get photos taken somewhere. And so we had a bit of time to kill. So we ended up somehow at McDonald's in the middle of the afternoon, I think it was, eating greasy takeaways and McDonald's and we had all our wedding clothes on like we were all dressed up ready for this lovely wedding reception and there we are in dirty old Maccas eating takeaways and it's just kind of stuck with me as this analogy I guess of where we sit in the story of God that we are between the wedding ceremony and the wedding reception the wedding ceremony was the life of Jesus the wedding reception is when Jesus returns And it's like we're all dressed up and ready to go. 
You know, we, we got our wedding clothes on because we, we're the people of God. We're the church. We, we're ready for the banquet. We're ready for the reception. We're ready for Jesus to come back. But he's not here yet. And life carries on. And we're in this weird kind of in-between time. The ceremonies happen. The reception's not here. And, and we find ourselves in the moment, you know, at McDonald's eating greasy takeaways. It's like we're in the brokenness of this life. We're just in the mundane and we're in the ordinary and we're in kind of the weirdness of this COVID time. And here we are with this kind of, it feels like a disconnect, you know, citizens of the kingdom of heaven, but here we are in the brokenness of this world. But I think what this, what this miracle reminds us is that even in this time, this in-between time that we, that we live within, God is bringing about something new. And God longs to bring about new wine in your life. In whatever circumstances that you are in right now, whatever you're facing, whatever the season looks like for you, however well, however badly life is going, God's desire is to do a new thing in your life. His desire is to plant something new in, your, in the soil of your life. His desire is to lead you into a new season. His desire is that you would not cling to what is past. Not cling to the old ways. Don't cling on to the former things. But open yourself up to whatever this new season is that God is wanting to do. Open yourself up even now to the prompting of the Holy Spirit as he nudges you in the ways that he's speaking to you this morning through his word. And let's trust that just as Jesus performed that miracle in Cana 2,000 years ago, he is still working today. He is still turning water into wine today in the lives of his people. He wants to do that in your life. So let's open ourselves up to Jesus, the miracle worker, the wine maker, the healer, the, the renewer, and the restorer of our lives. Let's allow God to bring about his new wine in our lives. Let's pray. God, I just want to lift up our whole community to you and the community of those that are part of our gathering this morning. Holy Spirit, we believe <clears throat> that you are working as we come to your word and as we just open our hearts before you this morning. God, we just want to be in a place of surrender. And we want to say, God, we're open to the new wine of your spirit. We're open to the new wine of Jesus. We're open to you doing whatever you want to do in our lives. God, do something new. Do something real. Give us the boldness to, to, to be open, to be available, to be willing to step into that. God, whatever you are calling us to do, to be, to change, to give up, to sacrifice, uh, or to listen to the way that you are working. God, we want to have hearts of surrender. We pray, pray that you would lead us each into that place. Help us to hear you when you call. Help us to respond. And God, we just say to you this morning, we are open. Bring about that new wine in our lives. In our, in our situations, in our families, in our church, God, we long for you to pour out the new wine of your grace, new wine of your spirit in our church community. So we're open to you, Lord God. We thank you that you treat us with such kindness and compassion and, and you work within our lives in a way that is so very gracious. We love you, Lord, and uh, we ask you to move and to work in our lives and our church according to your will, according to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. 
Alternatively, you can email office at shore.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.